0: okay i'm scared now what am i going to do lean into it instead of run away from it and kind of see what you can do to work with it and i think when there's an obstacle rather than go around it find out a way to go through it
1: growth and unexpected challenges can be scary but having the courage to find the acceptance of discomfort and look for opportunities will help you beat the competition
0: i think as long as you can be adaptable and look at your business with with open and honest eyes and say okay well there's always going to have dividends that are paid in the back end.
1: The founder of Quirk Accident Injury Attorneys, Logan Quirk has opened four offices across two states and plans to expand into a third. Growth like his requires the ability to execute a vision and pivot when necessary. He initiated a rebrand amid the uncertainty of COVID and has been rewarded with a team who shares his goals. Today, we cover business development on any budget to leverage the resources you do have for maximum return. We also dive into seeing challenges as opportunities to refocus your vision and come out on top. I'm your host, Chris Dreyer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io. We help elite personal injury attorneys dominate first page rankings with search engine optimization. In high school, Logan knew that he wanted to be a lawyer. Fresh out of law school, he spent four years working with his mentor and brother, who remains the best lawyer Logan knows today. He explains the impact of the relationship and why he made the decision to begin his own firm. The one thing that made me want
0: to go and branch out was I wanted to move cities. So in order for me to kind of expand. I was in my um, mid to late 20s. I was making that decision. I moved down to San Diego and started my firm. My brother's firm was firmly entrenched in Ventura. And even though we do practice the same area of law, we have carved out a nice little area where we get clients from different places and there really isn't much competition anymore. Anything, it's it's a collaboration and it's nice to have a sounding board to run cases by and kind of talk to someone who's been through it and kind of talk about what's working, what's not working and kind of share some stories and also to have someone to vent to because what we do can be challenging. But at the end of the day, we're brothers and we have love for each other and there's no one else I would rather learn from.
1: I think it's amazing to have your brother as a mentor and kind of both get to have those conversations about, you know, just the day in day out. Those in the weeds conversation can really be effective and, and kind of almost be therapeutical.
0: <laughs> yeah, December. I was just thinking that be a, it's like being a counselor for each other. Just having that opportunity to,
1: to share what
0: you were going through or kind of have that oh F this F that. I didn't have the day and to
1: have someone who has that similar experience and kind of relay and empathize. and you decide to start your own firm. So what went into the vision? How were you thinking about biz dev? That's one of the key ones, right? We well, can be excellent lawyers, but you know you got to get the leads. so what sure. went into that process? I came up with a plan. And I think
0: once you get on your own, that plan goes out the window because you're just trying to scratch to survive. When you have your firm and you're first starting out and you see that bank account down in the zeros or in the red, you know, you start trying everything. To this day, I'm still tinkering to see what works and what doesn't work. It's always good, I think, to be innovative and not be so stuck in your ways and kind of see what works and what doesn't and innovate and kind of pivot when you have to. I think, if anything, the pandemic forced us all to kind of take that up. I think once you start your own business, those plans, you try and stick to them, but you got to kind of pivot on the spot and be able to adapt and evolve.
1: I think that's a a key component, right? When you have the ability to be adaptable and and take things in stride. And let's talk about, you know, some of those, those biz dev principles, though, that you really apply because you've had really explosive growth, right? You're you're up to your third or fourth location. Personal injury attorneys are listening, are like, hey, you know, we're we're always looking for, you know, business development assistance. What's your thought on biz dev in terms of generating clients for a lawyer?
0: This is the best piece of advice I can give. I think we all know we need multiple streams of revenue and kind of see what works and what doesn't work. So I still hold true to the maximum that you got to have multiple sources. I think digitals, you know, must be in digital you got to have Google, you have to have some type of social media and just having a team in your corner that if you don't have the time or the expertise to have that person delegate out and be comfortable with that person and not be scared to kind of tinker with it, ask questions and push back. Because just like law, the world of digital marketing is changing. And obviously, you know, because you're an expert in it. And I think there's also some other streams of revenue that people have kind of forgotten that's still boots to the ground business to business, that's always word of mouth, reliable, good, consistent stream of revenue. So if you put all your eggs in one basket, you might rock it up but you might flame out at one point. I think COVID taught us that so many people that rely on one or two sources of revenue may not be there in the long term. So as much as I can, I I like to diversify. kind of listen to my money manager and diversify your portfolio. I try and employ that strategy when I do marketing.
1: I think that's super smart in terms of a marketing strategy. You know, individuals they they change where they congregate. You may have a lot of individuals hanging out on Facebook, then they shift over to Instagram, and then then the eyeballs are over on YouTube. And we've seen what's happened where you know at one point the yellow pages, everyone was checking the phone book and and the TV guide, and and now it's just you constantly have to adapt. Yeah. And. I think for me, probably many individuals listening are like, oh, he's just the SEO guy. And yeah, I am. That's my expertise. But there's nothing that makes me happier than when we take on a client that does the branding initiatives. If you want to build mass awareness, I mean, the most amount of impressions that you can acquire is TV and radio. I know it gets more difficult to target individuals, but I think the proof is in the pudding. I hate that saying, but... (laughs) <laughs> look at some of the biggest firms there are and how right. they grew their audience. Many of them were TV. Now it's starting to shift, certainly more in digital, but what's your thoughts on that in terms of traditional versus digital? I remember when I first started out, the competition was beyond the
0: first page of the phone book with the, you know, that ad or the back of the phone book or the spy and how, how that has changed being in LA and hearing a few of the different attorneys marketing, I can pull up their jingle out of my head. You know, if I turn on like sports radio or even in this building I'm sitting in, oftentimes I come into work and one of the guys' advertises in LA is over my building and I'm like, what the F? Um, but, you know, congrats to them. That's how they chose to grow their market. And they have the capital to do that. and It all comes down to, I think, what you're comfortable doing and what kind of firm you want to be. If you want to be a big firm like that, then you obviously have to have that brand awareness. If you want to be a boutique firm, it's not going to be necessary for you to be on billboards, TVs, radio. You just want to build your firm to the extent that you're comfortable and what you really, what your vision is for your firm. Some lawyers don't want to be a, a volume firm. Some wanna be trial attorneys, some wanna be, you know, somewhere in between. So I think as long as you know what you are and what you're comfortable doing, you can fit your marketing to
1: accomplish that task. I think it's a great piece of advice that isn't talked about enough. And you see these two distinctions. Yeah, you know, I know there's hybrids and different variations. You got you know your settlement firms versus your trial attorneys. I think that if you're an excellent trial attorney, then you can get maximum value and maybe not take as many cases as, as the sure. high volume settlement shop and have a super high uh, margins of profitability. I think the marketing even changes. You know maybe elevating your social proof from a referral strategy as opposed to going direct to consumer. I want to kind of circle back though to the the boots on the ground. So we had Dave Thomas on from Law Tigers and one of the things that they do is they have like a sprinter van that they you know wrap in their law tigers and have all the swag and they go to all the motorcycle events. I just thought that was super smart. When you think of boots on the ground, what are you thinking of tactically in terms of like building that network?
0: Yeah, I think that's really smart. I I know the Law Tigers brand and they've branded themselves really well. And, you know, they're in that niche and that's really, really awesome that they've been able to develop that niche and generate that type of market. For me, when I was a, a new business owner, I had zero money, but what I had was time. So what I was doing was putting my, I'll say, boots. I was wearing Nikes at the time because I still bristle where I have to wear a suit every day. Even for this interview, I put on a button down. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be looking more like you in a t-shirt with Nike on it. Just going and shaking hands and meeting people and kind of putting your face in front of as many people as you can. And that as long as I have the time to put in the work, then I try to make it happen. Going to swap meets, going to farmer's markets, just meeting people or having a booth and just getting your exposure out there and just talking to people. I got a lot of no's, no's, no's. So luckily I'm really almost annoyingly persistent. And I think a lot of people were just like, you know, I'm sick of this guy. Here, Here's a case. Just go away. Uh, and at some point, okay, give me one. And then maybe one will turn into two because I'll see what you can do. But as long as you get one, hopefully it turns into more. Um, so boots on the ground is just working what you had. And at that time I had nothing but time and that's what I did. And I chose to go. Try to meet as many doctors as I could, chiropractors, people who I thought could send me cases. The success rate wasn't high, but you know, for one or two that sent me cases, thank you very much, because that helped propel me to a point of where I'm a bit more comfortable. I, I don't ever want to say I'm 100% comfortable with where I'm at, because I'm always tinkering and looking to change a few things, but it definitely helped out.
1: No matter the size of the firm, stay hungry, keep growing, Consider the impact of economic factors like recession and inflation on your bottom line. If you're not growing, you're going backwards. Don't be afraid to pivot or follow new revenue streams. This was Logan's experience when he took on his first negligent security premises liabilities case.
0: When I was um, in San Diego, I got an opportunity to represent one of my favorite clients ever. When he was visiting his auntie in San Diego and there was a drive-by, he was talking to one of the people that lived at that apartment complex premise liability case with negligent security. This area was known for activity. It was very, very active with gangs and whatnot. And the apartment complex knew people would come on and commit crimes, but they failed to provide sufficient security measures such as gates, security guard, all things that were pretty reasonable In comparison to the harm that was caused. So those are some of the cases from that case that I I will take on. But just because of that one case, it's kind of propelled me or given me a little bit of confidence to take on those cases so long as the facts are are present. They are tough cases, but you know, those are some of the cases that restore your faith in people and make you hungry and want to help out people because those are, you know, people are really in the wrong place at the wrong time and it could have been prevented. So those are the type of cases that I think help us keep doing what we're doing and sometimes not always get dismayed or down because you know we, we're not always doing the same cookie cutter variety case. I think it's good to have some variety or at least have some, some cases or clients that still get your fire going. And once you lose that fire, there's no point to doing what you do anymore.
1: Couldn't agree more. And, and I want to dig into this a little bit further because, you know, I've been on the marketing side of premises liability, slip and fall, trip and fall, and you're looking for building code violations and all these different types of things. Looking at these types of cases, how do you identify, oh, there is a case there? Like
0: Probably it's very similar to any type of premise liability case. The evidence is not readily obtainable. I'll often just go and drive to the site and see what I see. And if I walk around the apartment, I see like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. Or you send an investigator out there. But I, I like to put my own eyes on it. That way I know what I'm getting involved with. It's like I would say it's pretty close to uh, premise liability cases because you don't have all the evidence at hand. And oftentimes you've got to sue or send a subpoena to get it. And then once the evidence comes your way, then you have more facts available to you to make a decision on whether or not it's a very good case, a very not so good case or a case that just doesn't have any legs. So it is more of a a risk, but sometimes those people are worth the risk and sometimes those risks pay dividends just because you can get that smile on the client's face and get them the compensation they deserve. So like any case might require more work and that might be why some attorneys are reticent to take them on, but we don't shy away from cases like that. We like to actually go and do our research and be diligent about the process and make sure that we're doing what we can to get necessary recovery for our clients.
1: You've really launched and grown your, your practice during an economic downturn, right? When things are great, it's much easier to grow and you're growing in these difficult times and you've done really well. So when you're looking at things like COVID or recession, like what's your mentality Going into this uh, and still wanting to grow your practice and run a great firm. Yeah,
0: I think COVID presented a unique opportunity for a lot of us. I think, like everyone else, my numbers were down drastically. You know, maybe a few settlements skewed people's results and bottom line, but I think for the most part, most attorneys' client intake was down and bottom line revenue was probably down too. I don't know, call the percentages offhand, but. I also had a little bit more time because I had less cases coming in. We could work the cases we had, which we did, but I was scared because the clients weren't coming in like they were pre COVID and we weren't quite sure how long the pandemic was going to happen in California. I think we took some of the most drastic measures. So we were definitely some of the most affected attorneys. So I kind of took the opportunity to, I'll say, tear down my business, but I took it down to the bones and rebranded and, got some more people in place that uh, were more in line with my vision and started getting me results. So I think I I leaned into it after a while, after the fear was like, okay, I'm scared. Now what am I going to do? Lean into it instead of run away from it and kind of see what you can do to work with it. And I think when there's an obstacle rather than go around it, find out a way to go through it. So that's what we did. And I'm still working on that. It's never a done process. I think that's, probably the key to me is it's always a process and there's always going to be things that are, are humming at the moment. And then, like you said, they may not work. It's like audience shifts from yellow book to Facebook, to Google, to now TikTok. you know, we're always chasing the, chasing the crowd, I guess. But I think as long as you can be adaptable and look at your business with open and honest eyes and say, okay, well, this isn't working. Let's try something else. But also being mindful of what you, what you try, you got to, you know, we get marketed all the time, just like I'm sure you do. And if I jumped into everything that was presented to me, I'd be broke. So you have to be diligent about what you also are getting involved with, and make sure that you're getting involved with the right people. And I think that's where lawyers are very smart, but, you know, thankful to this podcast and people like you that when I called you, I didn't have the budget to hire your services, but you gave me three or four people. And those three or four people gave me different referrals so i think people that are willing to share and be transparent and kind of share the wealth so to speak there's always going to have dividends that are paid in the back end i think that's probably the best way to to think about how we grew is we we took advantage of tearing down our business and we're open and honest about what was working and what wasn't And i took advantage of some of the connections i had and i took a lot of people's time picked your brain picked everyone else's brain and i'm thankful to those people because without their collective
1: thoughts, I don't think I would have been able to be as successful as I am currently. And first, thank you for that. And, you know, I'll say that we talk a lot about, you know, the omni-channel, the multi-channel approach, but there's also, you have to have focus and give it the attention that it needs. Otherwise there's a million different marketing avenues and solicitations that can really drain the pocketbook. The other thing I wanted to talk about is your rebrand with the, the vanity phone number, the quirk wins, and kind of that strategy. You know, what went into that? The URLs change. First of all, the thought process behind it and basically how you're intending to really maximize uh, that portion of marketing.
0: There was a book I read called Fireproof that kind of brought the EOS thoughts to law. And in looking at that book, I took some of that and took some of the things that I had been tinkering with and thinking about doing it. And I was like, you know what, now's the time. It's like, it's finally time to kind of take the next step and stop being scared. So those are some ideas that come to mind and then getting rid of the things that weren't working and finding new people to help accomplish that goal. So as far as changing the name, I wanted people to know exactly what I do. My previous name, Court Law Group, that's great. You're an attorney, we get that. But If you're on Google and you see that, you have to do one more click to see what type of lawyer or type of law uh, we practice. So took away the law group and put in accident and injury attorneys. And in talking to a bunch of marketing experts like yourself, Google was starting to pick up on that needed to be in your title. And that helps set you apart from people who had made that change. I didn't want to make the change with my name because there's you know, it's it's hard to change, especially when you're a small firm. There's a whole lot of work you got to do to go ahead and change your name and change your website and change your marketing approach. So I wanted to kind of have a more simplistic approach. You look at the name, you see what you get, and it's simple, it's bold, but it conveys the message that we wanted to convey. And I think. You know, we're, we are doing that. Like I said, I think it's a process. I don't think it's ever going to be done and things may change. Some things may not work. And I think what COVID taught me was you can't be scared to, to tinker and make the changes because if as long as you have the portfolio or the streams of income, one may dry up, but while you're tinkering with some, the others will be there to kind of support what you're trying to do. But I will say... You don't want to be too quick to change because sometimes you got to plant a bunch of seeds in order to see them sprout. So you don't want to pull out too quickly because you may be not reaping what you sow.
1: I think it's a great piece of advice, particularly for content marketing. It just takes a little time to compound and to develop that organ. Yeah. We lawyers aren't patient.
0: So <laughs>
1: <laughs> A lot of DIs from the DISC personality assessment. And yeah. And and Mike Morris and uh, John Nakazel, their book.
0: Thank Fireproof. you. I, I was trying to think of his name. I couldn't, but He wrote a great book and it couldn't come out a better time for me. So if I ever ever see him, if you ever see him, tell him big thanks for me.
1: The biggest advantage of QuirkWins.com is simplicity, easy to remember and SEO friendly. From Quirk Law Group to Quirk Accident Injury Attorneys, Logan changed his firm's name to reflect his vision and keep up with best practices as they change over time. Lawyers looking to open a firm face a set of new challenges and opportunities. Here's Logan's advice on opening a new practice.
0: Nowadays, it's a little bit different than when we came out because it was you needed office space. So I think today, seeing some of these attorneys who are forming co-working environments or work from home, it might be a little bit easier for those people to commit to opening up because it might be less capital intensive. And I think that's really awesome. There's a lot of support networks and third party that are all coming together to kind of give new lawyers an opportunity to have their own firm but share the resources and succeed. And I think that's really awesome. So obviously you got to have some money set aside because you're gonna have to spend some money before you start making some money. Don't be scared when that money gets near zero or below zero. And don't be scared to fail because you have a lot of degree. you're gonna be able to pick yourself back up. So good piece of advice is to make sure you plan well, Set up some money aside, go figure out what type of lawyer you think you want to be. And don't be scared if that changes on the fly.
1: And don't be scared to fail. You got to go out on a limb to get the fruit. I like that saying go out on the limb to get the fruit. I like it. The, uh, it's a great, you know, the execution side of things. That's what it's all about is, again, there's so many entrepreneurs, but the entrepreneurs go make it happen. What's next for quirk accident and injury attorneys? So we're
0: taking the show on the road, as you've mentioned. Also during COVID, I took the opportunity to get a license in another state, got a license in Montana, and I'm realizing a childhood dream to go spend some time fly fishing on the river up there on our new property and seeing what type of business we can grow up there in Montana while we're maintaining our California and Nevada presence.
1: I love that Logan saw the pandemic as an opportunity, despite fears of decreasing bottom line revenue. He took the time to strip his business to the bones, rebrand, and bring on people more in line with his vision to get results. Let your vision for firm size and type inform your marketing strategy. Large firms need capital for mass exposure. Boutique firms can spend marketing budgets in more targeted areas where their clients are more likely to congregate. Whatever your firm type, diversity in your digital marketing streams will hedge against risk and increase profitability. Consider what mix of traditional digital and boots on the ground interactions will engage your audience. I'd like to thank Logan Quirk from Quirk Accident Injury Attorneys for sharing his story with us and I hope you gain some valuable insights from the conversation. You've been listening to Personal Injury Mastermind. I'm Chris Dreyer. If you like this episode, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from our listeners. I'll catch you on next week's PIM with another incredible guest and all the strategies you need to master personal injury marketing.